Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Welcome back to hour number two, today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning. And whether you're tuning in on the AM side at 1490, on the FM side at 104.9, or if you're choosing to listen via the live stream, which you can find on ESPNTucson.com, we do appreciate you tuning in to Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. And I know that you have a, a choice of where you lend your ears to get your sports information, entertainment, opinions, whatever have you, and uh, appreciate you guys tuning in here to my show and uh, try to put together the best show for you every every day that we possibly can, have some uh, unique opinions for you, some insight, and some other fun uh, topics and things like that for you to mull over as well. You can always interact with me on Twitter. You can find me at UAZ Voice. That's at UAZ Voice. If you want to interact with me there, remember, just keep it civil, man. Keep it civil. Some of you guys cannot follow very simple instructions and uh yeah you have been you have been noted so just beware be civil i promise to be civil back i promise um okay college football three weeks in been able to watch a lot of games and i have some new bold predictions that i want to make some statements some predictions that i want to make regarding the status of college football as it is right now just this is just a few of the – I mean, I could probably go on for all day making some bold – if you bring up, like, what about this team? Oh, I think this team is, you know, whatever. But this is just kind of like stuff that I came up with last night, this morning, that I think are, are noteworthy. Number one, this is the year Michigan gets off the schneid in their rivalry game versus Ohio State. If you haven't watched Michigan play yet this year – they are absolutely smash-caking everyone they play. Now, in the early days when Jim Harbaugh had first arrived at Michigan, they were crushing teams. They, I remember in 2016 they had that run where they beat uh, – they had Hawaii, Rutgers, and Maryland when they opened up the, the Big Ten play. So they had Hawaii, Rutgers, and Maryland – they beat those three teams by a combined score of 200-6. to six. Like, those were the types of games that Michigan was having under the early days of Jim Harbaugh. Now, those days have gone by the wayside in previous years. A lot of it is because the quarterback position hasn't been right for them. It's been a carousel. They haven't found the right guy. They've had guys transfer in, transfer out. There's been a real problem for Michigan uh, at the quarterback position. And last year, the the... the the defense was talented, just gave up way too many big plays. Uh, that was the reason, I think, why Don Brown ended up losing his job there. Just too many big plays. Again, the defense was out there. You've, you've heard me speak my piece on Michigan's defense last year and why, uh, why Don Brown is no longer employed there. And it, I don't think it has very much to do with <laughs> Don Brown's ability to scheme a defense. I think it has a lot to do with the way that offense left that defense out to dry. There was a lot of injuries to last year's team as well on the defensive side of the ball. So, it was kind of like a perfect storm situation. Regardless, Michigan this year has been extremely good. Every team that was put in front of them, they have absolutely walked through. The opener against Western Michigan, who I think is an extremely talented offensive team, they just ran around over and through the the, the Broncos of Western Michigan. Then they play Washington. Washington coming off an embarrassing loss to 
to Montana, of course, at home, the 13-7 loss at home to Montana. You think that they would come out fired up? No. They got blown out. It was 31-10. Washington is a very, very good defensive team. Uh, we know that. We know that they're going to play great defense at Washington. Offensively, things are a problem for, for them right now, of course, trying to figure out the quarterback position. But 31-10, the game wasn't even that close. And then this weekend they beat uh, Northern Illinois 63-10 to or something like that. It was some ridiculous number. They just kept piling on the points. They scored, I think, nine rushing touchdowns in that game. Michigan is legit. Their defense is playing well, and their offense is really grinding it out, and they're getting into the end zone. And you look at Ohio State this year, personally, I think they might be the fourth best team in the Big Ten. They've struggled to put away Minnesota in the opener. That game was back and forth. It took a big play in the passing game, and then a big play, a big stop on defense to beat Minnesota in the home opener. Of course, they lose to Oregon in uh, at, at home in a, in a game two weeks ago. And then on last Saturday, look, don't do not look at the score. The score does not tell you everything that happened in that game against the 0-3 Golden Hurricane who went into the shoe and nearly beat Ohio State. That game was a one-possession game with about four and a half minutes to go. Tulsa had the ball, and uh, they ended up getting the they, – they, they, Ohio State forces a punt. They go down, they score, and then they get a pick six on the next play, and that's kind of what turned it into that 41-20 game. That game was really – really close. They were flirting with losing to Tulsa at home. I think Ohio State might be the fourth best team in the conference. I think Penn State is better. I think Michigan is better. And I think Iowa is better than Ohio State right now. And I think the book is still out on Wisconsin. I don't think I've seen enough out of Wisconsin. They they obviously get beat in the opener by Penn State, who I think is very, very good. Uh, and you know, there's no telling what would happen if they played a game right now between Wisconsin and Ohio State. Uh, you know, Ohio State's got that explosive uh, offense, but of course their defense has been suspect. The offensive line has been suspect as well at times, and Wisconsin may be game for a, a low-scoring type of, of you know slobber knocker in that one. Maybe Wisconsin comes out with a win if they play at home. Who knows? But Ohio State is at best right now the third-best team in the Big Ten, and I think they're closer to the fourth-best team than they are to the second-best team in that conference. So this is the year that Michigan finally gets off the schneid. This is one of my uh, new bold predictions after three weeks of watching college football. My next bold prediction or statement, if you will, the ACC will not have a representative in this year's college football playoff. Have you watched Clemson? They're bad. Like, like I mean, like offensively, they're terrible. They're getting... I think I think right now they're averaging like 3.7 yards per play. Clemson, 3.7 yards per play. That's, for those of you who don't know, that's below where you want to be. <laughs> okay? They were held to six points uh, in, you know, of course, in their loss to Alabama back in 2017. And since then, they haven't been held to anything less than that, anywhere near less than that. However, in their games this year, They've averaged eight and a half points per game. They averaged, They got three against Georgia, against FBS school. They played South Carolina State. South Carolina State is absolutely horrible. They got three points against Georgia and scored 14 against Georgia Tech. 3.7 yards per play. And it's not like 
DJ Ungalele has been, you know, lighting things up either. Even against South Carolina State, he only had 171 yards passing, and he had a quarterback rating in the game of 123.6. In college football, you can get up to like a 270 quarterback rating, okay? It's very different than the NFL's rating system. 123.6 is very average. Very average. 171 yards against one of the worst teams in the country. Uh, you're Clemson. They can't score. This is not a situation where Clemson is just reloaded. Clemson has, look, it's like a virtual pitfall right now after the exit of Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne. Like, those two guys look like absolute world beaters now compared to what we're seeing on the field for Clemson right now. They got to figure things out. Their offense is pathetic. And I mean pathetic. Defensively, they're fantastic. We know that Brent Venables is going to put out a great defense every single year, and they're going to be in every game because of it. But Clemson looks like a team that could lose four games this year. And then you look at the rest of the ACC. Who's going to, I mean, who's going to represent the ACC in the college football playoff? Virginia Tech? Virginia? Both those teams are playing well. They're not going to represent the ACC in the college football playoff. North Carolina? Uh-uh. Have you watched them play? That's a sieve. The defense is a sieve. They are not good on defense right now. Notre Dame? Okay, are they really representing the ACC? I don't think Notre Dame's going to get there either. I'll tell you why next. Because Cincinnati is going to beat Notre Dame in two weeks. That's my next bold prediction. Cincinnati is going to beat Notre Dame in two weeks and will finish this season 12-0. and Look, Cincinnati, I've watched them play twice now. They had a, uh, they just completely destroyed. And I mean, look, th- this is not a situation where, um, you know, they're, they're just playing absolute cupcakes. Uh, now, Miami, Ohio is, look, they've got, some, they've got some, some work to be done there. Cincinnati destroyed them. Murray State, not good. We knew that was going to happen, whatever. No, nobody cares about the Murray State game. Then they went to Indiana. Played against a really good Indiana team, a team that's playing with a lot of confidence. Uh, obviously, Mike Penix coming back as their quarterback. That was a, a really, really nip-and-tuck game. It was a good test for Cincinnati. They made a lot of mistakes in that game, still came out as two touchdown winners. Now they have a bye week, and then they play at Notre Dame on October 2nd, a game that I think they will win. They're de- Defensively, they're good enough to stop Notre Dame moving the football at will. And I think offensively, with Desmond Ritter, and those uh, the the tight end and uh, wide receiver combination that they're running right now, I like uh, I like Cincinnati to win that win that football game. And then you look at the rest of their schedule; they play nobody outside of UCF, who's pretty good this year. But they get them at home in two weeks. They play Temple, Central Florida, at Navy, at Tulane. Okay, Tulane scores a lot of points, but they give up like 800 yards of offense a game. Then they play home to Tulsa at USF, home SMU, and at Eastern Carolina. That's it. That's, that's the rest of their schedule. They get a bye week before they play Notre Dame, and then they got their conference cupcakes coming up. Again, the home UCF game, that's, that's going to be their, probably their toughest test after the Notre Dame game. But they got to go to Notre Dame. they got to go to South Bend in two weeks. Did you guys see this over the broadcast over the weekend, that Notre Dame-Purdue game? Notre Dame's next eight opponents, listen to this. This is just something aside from, from what I'm talking about right now. Notre Dame's next eight opponents will play them coming off of a bye week. 
NCAA didn't do them every any kind of scheduling favor. The next eight times that Notre Dame plays, their opponent will be coming off of their bye week. That means that every person, every team they play for the next eight weeks is going to have two weeks to prepare for Notre Dame. That almost doesn't seem fair. Not that I care. I want Notre Dame to lose. <laughs> I'm not an anti-Notre Dame fan. I'm really not. I just like to see chaos in college football. And I think it's great when, look, when Notre Dame is great, it's great for college football. But it's also great to see big programs fall. It's A lot of people like the chaos. They want to see big programs get beat, and especially by the little people. So if Cincinnati does finish 12-0, and I've just mentioned I don't think the ACC will have a representative in this year's college football playoff. I just said that Ohio State is the fourth best team in the Big Ten. Now, the Big Ten will most likely be represented unless they do, unless they pull a Pac-12 and start to cannibalize one another and your conference winner ends up 10-3 and after the Big Ten uh, championship game and maybe the, the CFP committee says, eh, we're going to pass on the Big Ten this year. We're not, we're not going to take a 10-3 and Michigan team. Okay, maybe, maybe that's the case. I don't know. So given all that landscape, we know the Pac-12 is disrespected, and I, as good as Oregon is, I'm sure that, that the Pac-12 is going to find a way to cannibalize itself. Washington will probably beat Oregon this year. USC will probably beat Oregon or something. I mean, it, it's going to happen. Pac-12 cannibalizes itself every year. I don't think Oregon is that head and shoulders above everybody else. Cincinnati has a legit shot at winning the national championship this year. They really do. If they beat Notre Dame, and I think they will in two weeks, they have a legitimate shot at not only getting into the CFP for the first time ever for a non-Power 5 school, that team is good enough to win a national championship. Mark my words. I don't think – I think Alabama is ripe for the picking with the way that they, the way that they played on Saturday against – Florida, who was a one-trick pony, they couldn't throw the football. We know that Florida can't throw the football with Emory Jones as their quarterback, and yet they were within a field goal of Alabama. Georgia, of course, fantastic. Anybody remember last year's uh, Peach Bowl? Yeah. Uh, they Georgia had to come back and win that football game against Cincinnati. 24-21 was the final score of that game, and Cincinnati was in it from the first second to the last. That game was a dogfight. And that's virtually the same team that Georgia brought back this year. Granted, more experienced. Cincinnati, same way. Cincinnati returned 15 starters from that team. Georgia returned 16 starters from that team. It's very even. When I say that I think Cincinnati has a legitimate shot at winning a national championship this year, based on the landscape and what we're seeing, I mean, who's, who are the great teams in college football right now? I mean, I'll wait, <laughs> right? Okay, Alabama, most people consider them to be great. We saw them dismantle Miami, who is now just a complete shell of their former selves. Manny Diaz is going to get fired, guaranteed. He's going to get fired. He's going to be the next, next big coach that gets fired because they just got lambasted by Michigan State. Oh, oh Mel Tucker went into Miami and just – crushed them that game was over at the end of the third quarter Miami looked like they wanted no part of that game anymore Michigan State went in there and just beat the hell out of them Miami stinks so I can no longer give much credit 
to Alabama's rousing victory over the Hurricanes in the first week. Then they played Mercer. No one cares. Then they go down to Florida, a team that they were favored by 14-and-a-half against, and against a one-dimensional offense, nearly lose that football game after being up by nearly three touchdowns at halftime. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I guess label me incorrect or an idiot or something, I don't know, but that doesn't sound like a great team resume to me. Not yet. We'll see. I mean, obviously they're going to get their chances as they continue through SEC play. Is Georgia the, you know, the, the end-all, be-all this year? Are they the great team in college football this year? I mean, certainly their defense is good enough. We know their defense is fantastic, okay? Um, you know, obviously they are, you know, they're extremely talented. They're well-coached. They're, they're going to win probably the rest of their games. Let me bring up their schedule real quick here. Where are they? They had, of course, you know, they, they obviously they shut out Clemson or kept Clemson out of the end zone in, in that first game. Then they smothered UAB. They beat South Carolina by a million points. <laughs> Shane Beamer, the head coach of South Carolina, I think it was yesterday or maybe it was Sunday during his virtual press conference. They were like, oh, yeah, why, why, did, why weren't you able to run the football against Georgia? He's like, I don't know. I guess they got, because they got 100 five-star guys on defense and they're all bigger, faster, stronger than my guys. Maybe that's why. It was pretty funny. He, like, clapped back at his reporter who asked a stupid question. Why weren't you able to run the football against the best defense in the country? I don't know. They got Vandy this week. That should help. But you look at Georgia's schedule, you know, at Auburn, mm, might be a tough game. Kentucky was looking tough until they nearly lost this weekend to uh, whatever in-state Kentucky Tech or whatever they played when they beat them by, like, two points. They had a home game against Florida, of course, the the, uh, the the cocktail party, of course. Missouri, terrible. At Tennessee, tough place to play. Tennessee's playing well right now, but not nearly on the level of Georgia. Then they play that, that coveted SEC Week 11 scheduled game of Charleston Southern. When everyone in the SEC gets tuned up for their rival by playing some FCS cupcake that they pay a million dollars to come in for a 60-point butt whooping. And then they play at Georgia Tech for the rivalry game, and not even a conference game. So, you know, Georgia is going to, I don't know, I don't want to say skate through the rest of this season, but where are their opportunities to show that they're a great football team? They're going to have maybe two until they get to the SEC championship. So, yeah, when I say Cincinnati has a legitimate shot at winning a national championship, after they beat Notre Dame in two weeks, yeah, they're, I mean, unless they completely implode, uh, I think Cincinnati's for real, and I think they've got a good shot. They went toe-to-toe with Georgia once. They'll do it again. And finally, my final bold statement and prediction after week three of college football, at least that I'm going to divulge here on the air today, USC will still win the Pac-12 South, even after firing Clay Helton and hiring Dante Williams as the interim coach, basically just a stopgap to keep your recruiting class from bleeding out completely. They were committed to Dante Williams being here because he's been the lead recruiter on basically all of their five-star guys. They had to elevate him to head coach status. It looked like things were going to crumble down in pieces in the Palouse on Saturday as they were down 14-0 and getting the snot beat out of them by the Cougars. And then Jackson Dart arrived on the scene and took a beating and kept on uh, ticking, took a lick and kept on ticking, if you will. 
threw for nearly 400 yards and brought them all the way back, 45 unanswered points. They looked really good. They looked motivated. They looked strong. They looked fast. And based on what I saw from the Pac-12 self, not not only this past weekend, but in the previous weekends, I don't think UCLA is all that good. You know, they they beat LSU, an overconfident LSU team who's on the decline right now. They just lost to Fresno State. And look, I think Fresno State's a good football team. But that's a game you can't lose. You can't lose that game. So based on what I've seen, Arizona State is going to penalize themselves out of almost every single game. They're the most undisciplined team in the conference. Not surprised. And then you look at Utah. Where's the offensive firepower going to come from with Utah? They can't score. So, yeah, I think USC is still going to win the South, even though they're going to be the team with the interim head coach. Strange to say, but this is the Pac-12, and this is where strange things happen <laughs> because that's that's how we do it here, right? We're all too familiar with it, cannibalization and strange endings here in the Pac-12. Check out NFL Cover True, which covers all the latest NFL news every afternoon on Spears and Ali. It's brought to you by Barrio Brewing Company. Barrio Brewing Company, Arizona's oldest brewery, celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. Coming up after the break, we'll take a look at some NFL uh, post-week two reactions, look at the standings, which teams that are 2-0 and are currently real contenders, and which one are pretenders. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on this Tuesday morning. 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. It's Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Talking some NFL here as we do every single day. Looking at the 2-0 and teams, specifically teams that have started their season Correct. They're, uh, they're, on, they're off on the right foot, right? There, there are plenty of teams out there who wish they were 2-0, and who wish that they had the, the current record that a lot of these teams currently have. And I'm going to start in the AFC because there's not a lot of them in the AFC. There are two teams that have started 2-0. and It seems like everybody else is at 500. Um, and they're both teams in the AFC West, the Raiders and the Broncos. Both have started their season 2-0. and Raiders with a impressive performance now. Uh, if you look back on the last Monday night, beating the Ravens, who uh, are just coming off of, you know, of course, their big win over the AFC division uh, rival of the Raiders, the Kansas City Chiefs. So a, a, a nice win for the uh, for the Raiders in week one, and then in you know, week two they look good. Here's the reason why I think they're a contender. I've always thought that Derek Carr was a good quarterback. I thought, I always, I've always thought that he's capable of leading a team to the playoffs because he is a very, very efficient quarterback. He is, uh, he's, he's always had a really good completion percentage. He's not a guy who is going to take unnecessary risks. Plus, he's just a great student of the game, and he's a tough guy. Like I, I just, he's got like all the, the kind of tools that he, you like. He's not excellent. He's not outstanding at any single one of them, but he's really good at a lot of things and a lot of, of favorable qualities of a quarterback that I like. And that's why I think that the Raiders are going to be a true contender this year. They've proven that they can get big wins. Uh, you know, they've obviously gotten the, the, you know, the one win away from Las Vegas. They got the one win at home. So they've split that. 
the games have been kind of close, which is good for their defense. You know, like, hey, you gotta, you got to step up. We need to stop here. The defense has been able to get stops when they needed to. And I like where the Raiders are at right now. 2-0, and and I think they are contenders to possibly win the AFC West. And, of course, uh, you know, a big game coming up for the, uh, for the Raiders. You know, they've got, uh, they got the Dolphins coming into town, and then they go to the Chargers. So a game, you know, a division game coming up for the, for the Raiders, that's going to be big for them. Also in their division, the Denver Broncos, 2-0. and I tend to think that they're pretenders. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I like that he's a game manager. He's not going to give the game away, and that's why, that's why Vic Fangio handed him the keys to the car and was like, here, uh, we're not trusting in Drew Locke yet, even though he is, you know, the, the you know, more electric type player. But Teddy Bridgewater just wins football games. You know, when they're, he manages games well enough that if, if the team is better than the other team they're playing, they're not going to lose that game. And in the NFL, more games are lost than they are won. Ask the Seattle Seahawks about that. Ask the, ask the, the, the Dallas Cowboys about that. Uh, you know, more games are lost than are won. And even all that being said, you look at the other two teams below them, the Chiefs and the Chargers, I, th- I think the Chiefs and the Chargers are better teams than, than the, the Denver Broncos are. I mean, don't get me wrong. Again, I like Denver. They have some, some pretty good makeup on their team. But I just think that the Chargers and the Chiefs are better, uh, just better to, you know, as, as talent-wise and in the quarterback position, I think Justin Herbert offers a little bit more than Teddy Bridgewater, even though I think he, he's still in for a sophomore slump potentially. But Justin Herbert uh, has been getting things done, especially in big downs like third downs and such. Let's jump over to the NFC. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 2-0. and They're contenders. That team looks like they're going to go undefeated this year. Like, they look so freaking good. They've got a plus 25 scoring uh, point margin. They've scored 79 points this year. Tom Brady's got nine touchdown passes already. They look fantastic. There's not a problem there. They're definitely contenders. The Carolina Panthers, 2-0. Sam Darnold looks like he's gone through a bit of a resurgence under Matt Rule, and I'm not surprised. If you've listened to this show long enough, you, you know that I think very, very highly of Matt Rule. And I also think very highly of Joe Brady. I was talking to somebody over the weekend. We were talking about USC, and they asked me who I think who I think will get the job or who I think should get the job. And I said, it's going to be an NFL guy. It needs to be an NFL guy at USC, whether it's Biennemi, Josh, Daniel, uh, Josh McDaniels, if they go uh, the New England route. But I think the guy that could really make a difference and I think would be a great hire for USC, which I hope doesn't happen, obviously. I don't want them to be, to be good, uh, is Joe Brady. Offensive coordinator for the Carolina Panthers, of course, got Joe Burrow to the national championship for LSU, was the best offense I think I've ever seen in the history of college football, and now Joe Brady has brought that offensive mind with Matt Rule to Carolina, and they are clicking right now. They are very good. Um, you know, they've their defense, we knew the defense was going to be good. As long as Sam Darnold didn't give away football games, they were going to be solid this year. I think they're contenders. I really do. I think Carolina's a team that could win nine or ten games this year, get themselves into the wild card, and then just kind of see what happens. If Christian McCaffrey can have a big game, if that defense can step up and get some stops, uh, enough stops, they, they could find themselves in a position where they're moving on to a divisional round game. So Carolina Panthers 2-0, definitely contenders right now, especially considering what we've seen out of Atlanta and the the <laughs> – the return of Jameis Winston to New Orleans on Sunday. We'll st- continue to keep an eye on him and what that looks like as they move through the season in New Orleans. 
All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll continue on with the NFC West because there are three teams in the NFC West that are 2-0, and and I have some thoughts on which ones are contenders and which ones are pretenders. That's next. Join Spears and Ali for their Thursday night football live broadcast. It's every Thursday afternoon at Native Grill and Wings in Marana, located in the southwest corner of Cartero and I-10. The Native Grill and Wings there has got over 40 television, 12 beers on tap, and, of course, all the delicious flavors of wings that you can expect from Native Grill and Wings. Download the Native Grill and Wings local uh, uh, loyalty app for, uh, for specials and offers and promotions and things like that. But check out this Thursday night, Thursday night football at Native Grill and Wings in Marana, home of the original Arizona wing with your friends Justin and Ali from the Spears and Ali Show every week here on ESPN Tucson from 3 to 6. More after this on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, talking NFL, pretenders and contenders, teams that are 2-0 and right now, and it brings us to the NFC West. Now, the Seattle Seahawks, the lone team in the division that wasn't able to cash in their second victory of the season last week as they lost to King Henry and the Tennessee Titans at home, which is, it's, it, look, anytime Seattle loses at home, it's like, oh, wow, I can't believe they lost at home. Um, they've got a lot of work to do on that team, but, Look, they'll be fine. They've got Russell Wilson. They've still got the great receiving core. Uh, the offensive line is patchwork, as it always is, and it always has been. The defense has been a little suspect so far. Um, you know, they've given up 49 points, which is the most in the in the division so far this season. So we'll keep an eye on them. But let's look at the 2-0 and teams that are in the division. Let's start with the Arizona Cardinals. 2-0 and after winning on the road at Tennessee, coming back and a hard-fought victory against the Minnesota Vikings at home. Look, there are ways that that game could have gone back and forth. Uh, you know, results could have ended up differently if the Minnesota kicker – look, for whatever reason, I can't figure out why. Kicking at Arizona in, the, in, that, in that stadium, at State Farm Stadium, is one of the most difficult places to kick in the NFL. I've talked with kicker, Arizona Cardinals kickers about it before, and they just they just say, like, there's a lot of humidity on the field, and it causes causes you know the foot to slip off the ball a little bit differently because of the tray of water essentially that's underneath the field. If you've ever been on the field at State Farm Stadium, you know what I'm talking about. It is ridiculously humid down there. You just start sweating immediately. It's very hot, very humid on that field, more so than any other football field I've ever been on in my life. Um, and I think it causes problems with the kickers. And Arizona Cardinals have had trouble keeping kickers employed because they continue to miss kicks, and then they go to other teams, and they're like, wow, what was wrong with this guy in Arizona? I don't know. He just made you know 34 of his 38 field goals for us this year. Um, for some reason, it's just a difficult place to kick. If the Minnesota kicker is able to convert on that final kick of the game, we're talking as the Cardinals 1-1, we're not even having them in this conversation. They've got a long way to go still. As impressive as they've been, they've scored 72 points this year. I think they're third in the NFL in scoring. The defense was great against Tennessee, not so great against Minnesota, and a team that I feel is going to fire their coach at some point this season. I think that, that Mike Zimmer might be the first head coach to be fired. Uh, of course, they started 0-2, so not a good start for the Minnesota Vikings, even though they've been close in both of their games. I think the Cardinals right now are still pretenders, though. I think they're still pretenders because I still think Seattle's the better team than they are, and I also think that San Francisco and Los Angeles are better than they are. That's not to say that the Cardinals aren't a good football team. They just happen to be playing in the best division in football. And when you look historically 
and I think at these teams, and it's not like the 49ers are just killing everybody. They're not world beaters, but they're finding ways to win. They've got a great coach, a great scheme, obviously. You may look at this division and be like, this is one of the toughest divisions in the history of football when you look at these four teams in this season. Just how good these teams are, incredible, especially on the defensive side of the ball. All four defenses are very good. Um, so I think the Cardinals right now are pretenders, only because I think they're the fourth-best team in the division. They might be the fifth-best team in the conference, but the fourth-best team in the division, and uh, that could be you know that could be their undoing, unfortunately. The Los Angeles Rams, definitely contenders. The Los Angeles Rams are contenders in every way. They are considered one of the best three teams in the entire NFL. They play incredible defense. They've got playmakers at every level on the defense, which is always tough to contend with, whether you've got linemen, linebackers, secondary. They can beat you in so many ways with so many different playmakers on that side of the ball. And then offensively, it appears that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup have found their rhythm, and that's, that's dangerous for every team they're going to play. That is a very, very good football team. They are well coached. We knew that already. We were wondering if Matthew Stafford was going to be a difference maker. It appears that he has been, and we know the defense is going to be stout. They've only given up 38 points in the first two weeks of the season. They're 2-0. and They are absolutely contenders in this. They are contenders for the, the conference, for the division, for the Super Bowl. They are legit. And now maybe the most confusing 2-0 and team in the league, the San Francisco 49ers. Both of their wins have been on the road. They were on the road to play Detroit, not a very good team. Obviously, we know how bad Detroit is. That game, you know, they were up, as I mentioned, we were up 41-17 with two minutes to go. They took their foot off the gas pedal, let Detroit back into there. Jared Goff's a competitor, and uh, Dan Campbell had them fighting and scrapping for every, you know, for every ball and every inch. So that was a that was a gritty kind of like, oh, I better turn things back on and uh, let's let's get this victory. Then they go to Philadelphia to play a team who had just completely dismantled the Atlanta Falcons in the previous week, going up against Jalen Hurts. We know that Philadelphia's defense is really, really good. Their defensive front is phenomenal. Their front seven is fantastic. The defensive line is amazing. Uh, Their defense is legit. It is a very good defense in Philadelphia. They only have 23 points all year. I think it's second in the NFL behind Carolina. Um, Philadelphia is very, very good defense. The 49ers were able to grid out that victory last week as well. 17-11, to 11, they were able to find ways to keep Philadelphia out of the end zone. And regardless of the amount of injury, injuries that com- continue to pile up for San Francisco, they are absolutely contenders in this whole thing um, because, of, because of these three reasons. Number one, we know that Kyle Shanahan is a master schemer. They're going to find ways to get the most out of whatever they have on offense. Defensively, we were wondering what that team was going to look like after the loss of Robert Sala, their defensive coordinator, and of course he took the linebackers coach with him uh, and the defensive line coach with him to the New York Jets. So we knew that that was going to be a big loss for the 49ers this year coming into this season. What would that 49ers defense look like? As long as they can stay healthy, they've got great playmakers on the defensive line. They've got one of the best, I mean, one of the best cover linebackers in the history of the game in Fred Warner. He's healthy, and if they can get Drake Greenlaw back and if they can find a way to just keep that secondary patchworked together, uh, the defense will be able to hold up. So we know that scheme-wise, 
and defensively they're going to be okay as long as they can stay healthy defensively. And thirdly, they have enough superstars that make plays on that team, individual superstars, to be able to win games. Whether it's you know whether it's Debo Samuel, Greg Kittle, uh, George Kittle, I mean, or whether it's you know like a like a Bosa or as I aforementioned Fred Warner, they've got superstars on that team that will get them some victories here and there. And they got two wins on the road already. They're the only team that's gone two and zero on the road in the NFL. And that's look, that's huge. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. No, Denver, right? Denver got two wins on the road. That's right. They are. Denver got their two wins on the road, which is extremely impressive uh, for for the Denver Broncos. But the 49ers get their two wins on the road, which means they get to play the majority of their final 15 games at home. That's going to be huge for them. And I do absolutely think that they are contenders in this. So there you have it. I think those are the those are the the, the two and O teams right now that are pretenders and contenders. And look, it's still very early, but these are all talking points. The NFL is a a week to week league. You have to assess teams based on what you saw recently, not what you uh, you know kind of expect of them and things like that. And these are the ways that that I'm assessing these teams right now. Uh, again, I think the two and O teams have earned their right to be here. And I think all but one of them, and, and I think that Denver is the only exception to that, all but one of them are contenders in their given conferences. And, and again, the only reason Denver and the Cardinals aren't contenders in their conferences is because of the divisions that they're in, the teams that they would have to climb over in those divisions that are better than they are. And I, will, I may be proven wrong with the Arizona Cardinals. We'll find out, of course, over the next few weeks. But uh, we, we may find out differently for the Arizona Cardinals. But looking at some of those teams – I mentioned the Niners hosting the Packers. That's going to be the Sunday night game. That's a big one, of course. Two and O team, 49ers, As I mentioned, they're going to be fighting for that one. You've got the uh, you got the, the Chiefs and Chargers. A big game. Those are both one and one teams. That's going to be huge for them. The Cardinals go on the road to play Jacksonville. Uh, you'll hear me talk about that game throughout the week because I think the line on that game is a little bit low, in my opinion. <laughs> Seven points for the Cardinals. That's it. Um, that seems a little bit low to me. Denver Broncos hosting the New York Jets. The Jets are terrible. The Broncos get to play at home in mile high. I think that's a, a dub for the uh, for the Broncos. They're double-digit favorites in that game. The Jets are really bad right now. The Raiders are hosting the Dolphins. Dolphins going to be without Tua Tungavailoa in that game, the the, uh, the rib injury that he has. I like the Raiders to continue their winning, uh, winning ways. I think they'll expand beyond 2-0 to 3-0. And then you've got a big 2-0 matchup between the Buccaneers and the Rams who most people believe are the two best teams in the NFC. That's by far the game of the week in the NFL coming up this Sunday. Rams hosting the Buccaneers. Big game, afternoon game here at Arizona. Right now that game is a pick 'em. That game is straight up pick 'em. So uh, have some fun with that one on your uh, your FanDuel Sportsbook app because that's going to be a, a, a must-see game this coming Sunday in the NFL. Speaking of FanDuel Sportsbook, They want to get you the most out of every play, and that's why they're giving everyone a $10 risk-free bet every single week. All you have to do is bet a same-game parlay. It's called an SGP. You'll hear me say SGPs in the show. That's like the acronym for the same-game parlay. What you do is you bet three legs or more on on that SGP. Even if your bet doesn't win, they'll pay you back up to $10. Now, I'll give you my bets coming up this weekend. I think you kind of know where I'm where I'm leaning. I already mentioned one of the games where the Cardinals are going to the Jaguars, and I'll give you some SGP uh, looks in that one. You know, ways that you can find some fun parlays to work with, and some parlays that are going to pay you out. And that's one of the great things about FanDuel. Also, 
the fast payouts. Like, I won several games over the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, paid out nearly immediately. Like, it was quick. The app is super easy to use. It's very, uh, you know, very user-friendly. You can get right in there, just push the different tabs that you want. Everything lights up. It gives you a running total of what you've got in that particular bet, uh, what your parlay looks like and all that kind of stuff. It's safe. It's secure. Look, there's, I could go on and on on why it's America's number one sports book. It is the number one sports book for a reason. And there's no feeling like nailing that same game parlay bet. I got one on, on a Sunday, and I was just elated. If you're new to FanDuel Sportsbook, you can claim also a special promotion they're doing right now on 30-1 to 1 odds on the Monday night game. Philly and Dallas, NFC East battle, 30-1 to 1 odds on either team to win. Just sign up with the promo code DEAN. That's D-E-A-N. And if your first, uh, if your first bet loses, you can get up to $1,000 back in site credit. That's the promo code DEAN. That's the only way to get it is by using my last name as the promo code. Sign up today if you're new and get those really, really cool promotions that FanDuel is offering right now. 21 and over and present in Arizona. Refund issued is non-withdrawable site credit that expires in seven days. Max refund is $10. Restrictions apply. See terms of sportsbook.fanduel.com. Same game parlay available for multiple sports in all states on mobile web. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342. When we return, we'll put a big, bright red, shiny bow on today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. That's next right here on ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Let's look at some trends from the first couple of weeks of the NFL as far as you know, teams that were favored, teams that were underdogs and stuff. Now, underdogs continue to thrive uh, in week two of the NFL. Underdogs went 9-7 and seven against the spread, and they got five outright wins. The Titans were a six-and-a-half-point underdog, which is a it's pretty substantial underdog. They got an outright dub, of course, in Seattle. We talked about that. That game was uh, on the road in overtime. The Raiders went into Pittsburgh against a team whose offensive line is just absolutely decimated. They can't do anything offensively. They can't run the football. They can't protect Big Ben. Their defense is remarkable, but it's not enough. If you can't move the football, uh, you just leave your defense out there to dry and you give teams short fields to work with. It, it's, it's, it's a real bad situation for Pittsburgh right now. And Look, I, I, they got that miraculous win against the Bills in week one in Buffalo. Josh Allen played really poorly, and the, the Steelers were able to, to eke out that win uh, against the Bills. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of wins in the future for this Steelers team. I think they, they still finish around seven seven wins or so this season, and it will be the first time that Mike Tomlin finishes sub-500, thus uh, completing my prediction from the uh, early, 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 early predictions of the NFL season that I made several weeks ago. Um, you know, the Raiders went in there. They were five-point underdogs. They got the win straight up for the second week in a row. They were underdogs in both games and got the win. Uh, so the Raiders are, are uh, big winners as underdogs so far. They got that win 26-17. They are not the underdog this week, however, as the Raiders are a currently three-and-a-half-point favorite, I think, over Miami at home. Um, now, Tampa Bay was the, the biggest winner of the week. The Bucks were 12-point favorites, and, of course, the 48-25 win nearly doubled that. So uh, that was a big one. Point totals were an even 8-8. Eight and eight. So – 
Vegas is doing well with point totals. If you're betting overs and unders in the NFL, just choose wisely. Um, it's been it's been pretty even so far this year. We've seen some years where it's real topsy turvy, but I think Vegas has got this thing pretty well figured out uh, as far as the point totals go. But remember that nine teams were held below twenty points in week two, so offense is not as kingly as you might think it is right now in the NFL. There were some bad beats in the NFL also in uh, in week number two. So, uh, you know, feel sorry for those people. Unfortunately, bad beats just suck. They happen. If you're going to get in this, they, 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 they happen. So be ready for some bad beats. If you were um, the uh, the Chargers, if you bet the Chargers, if you bet the Giants, like I did. So keep an eye on that. We'll keep an eye on some trends and things like that. Help you guys on your way. Maybe you can start cashing some more tickets on your FanDuel Sportsbook app. I'd love to be able to help you do that. That's uh, you know not my job here, but as I get more and more into it, I'm learning things, and I want to you know share some of that knowledge with you guys. So we'll keep that rolling here on the Jeff Dean Show as well. That is going to wrap things up for today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show. Thanks to Mary, who's returned back from her little uh, weekend vacation, back at the uh, studio pushing all the right buttons and keeping us on the air here today on the Jeff Dean Show. And, of course, thanks to you guys for tuning in. Don't forget to tune in tonight, uh, this afternoon, 3 to 6, for Spears and Ali show every weekday here from 3 to 6. And I will see you guys again tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. for a Wednesday edition of the Jeff Dean Show right here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Thanks for listening to the Jeff Dean Show. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Jeff will be back tomorrow morning at 7 on ESPN Tucson.